Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Scumbag! Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Rage all you want. Level three. Level three. Quickest on Avis and Sports Talk Radio. This is Sports Rage. Kurt's with us just for a couple more moments. So, uh, yes, NFL uh, football, uh, George. NFL draft a week and a half away uh, right now. Baker Mayfield holds somewhat of a key uh, to this. You know, Kenny Pickett, I think Kenny Pickett will be the first quarterback taken. But where does he go? That's the question. Where Where is he going to end up? And you look at the order here right now. Jacksonville, Detroit, Houston, New York, New York, Carolina, New York. And so who's the first teams that can take a quarterback? Atlanta or Carolina. But that's where I'm going with Baker Mayfield, Carolina. But if, if do you think Baker Mayfield ends up with Carolina? No. Uh, everything I hear is that neither, uh, neither side wants the other. Baker doesn't want them, and they don't want him. So, no, I don't think he's going Well, Robbie, Robbie Anderson doesn't want him. This was before Robbie Anderson when he's mouthing. By the way, why is Robbie Anderson mouthing off? What the hell have you done? I agree with that. I think Robbie Anderson, Baker Mayfield is better than you are. You should shut up. <laughs> like, exactly. You're Robbie Anderson. The same Robbie Anderson who was happy that Sam Donald got there. So, yeah, he should shut up. But, no, word is the Panthers are in the mix, and the oddsmakers are buying in. Um, it makes a lot of sense if you're Carolina. He's a better option. He's, he's a better option. Better option. I, I think uh, Carolina. I, I don't think Mayfield is going to get traded until until the draft itself. You know, well, the, the draft the itself is next week. Yeah, that's right. I think he'll get traded. <laughs> uh, what team that loses out on a quarterback? Oh, during the draft, you think he's going to get during the draft? During yes. the draft, or, you know, that's or a bold statement. That's a or bold day statement. Two. I don't think he's going to trade it beforehand. And Gabe, I wouldn't be shocked if it's not until after the draft. Teams want to wait for Cleveland to release him. They have to release him. And why pay the contract? You know, so that's that wouldn't shock me either. You know, know. that they wait till after. But I think it'll be uh, from a team that loses out. Yeah, that one that they call like they oh you know someone traded up ahead of them and got as you mentioned Pickett or got Corral or got Willis or whoever they wanted there. So I think that's what happens for uh, Mayfield. But like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if it's you know a couple of days after. Okay, Cleveland's like fine. We couldn't get a deal done. We got to release this guy now, and then somebody pounces. Well, I don't know what they expect and what they want to get for him. All right, that's as you stated. I mean, he's under contract for eighteen and a half million dollars. And now Deshaun Watson's under contract. 
Right? I've said this before. Yeah, yeah. He sh- he should show up to camp. Just make everything. Yeah, just get paid. Make everyone uncomfortable, right? Just show up. <laughs> like, so, like, all right. Now, they'll, still, they'll have I'm, to do it by camp. I'm still on the team. On the contract. <laughs> and he's just a troublemaker, too. He's just a troublemaker, too. He'd be doing interviews all the time and stuff. <laughs> well, I don't care, George. Uh, it's like uh, it's like George Costanza in Seinfeld. You're owed eighteen and a half million dollars. I don't care whether they like me or not. I'm showing up, George. You know I'm what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm not holding out. Like if I'm the agent, I'm advising him now. Listen, whatever you do, don't run your mouth about any holdouts or anything like this. We're gonna show up if we have to, <laughs> because we're gonna show up because we want to get this money. It's eighteen. It's nearly nineteen million. I think it's eighteen point nine million or something like that. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And they have to give it to you. So just show up and shut up. Late night anger master class. This is Sports Ridge. I am Maretzi. All right, so we just asked George Kurtz if he thinks that Baker Mayfield will get dealt to the Carolina Panthers. And the Panthers are not a predictable team, right? Um, they go through quarterbacks every year. They always have a new quarterback and stuff. May, I don't know. I think they could go Kenny Pickett. It wouldn't shock me if they do go Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett's going to take a quarterback. Well, maybe not. I think, I think the, the I think, Atlanta I think Falcons are at eight. The Falcons are yeah, eight. But Carolina's at six. Yeah, but if the so Panthers let's, let's don't Atlanta's take a quarterback. Ahead of them. I think let's the Panthers take a quarterback in the draft. I don't think they'll take Malik Willis. The problem is these quarterbacks really aren't worthy of it. That I agree. That's the problem. But it's, so it's, it's like, quarterback I agree with what you said dice. about these other guys. I would wait personally. I'd just take Matt Corral in the second round if I was a team. I, I would, I'd wait it out. Just because you need a quarterback now, sometimes you got to bite the bullet, guys. Right? you got to bite the bullet on this. And I do agree with you as well. With uh, Number one, I think he's a good fit there. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you think he's a good fit. I think he's a good fit in Carolina. I think he's a good fit in Seattle as well. But at the same point in time, Everyone knows. Everybody knows. You owe this guy $19 million, essentially. You just gave Deshaun Watson $45 million. You can't have them both, so why would I help you out on this? Exactly. This is for a song, but who has 18 and a half to pay him? Does it really come down to they got to throw another player in this? (laughs) You know what I mean? That, well, that yeah. That, then you're talking about a different kind of deal, right? Yeah, to get a yeah. Then, out, but no, but that's where it gets more serious. Then, right? If someone says, "All right, listen, yeah, we'll do this, but we've got to, you know, we've got to work something out a little bit deeper," uh, and he's only under contract for another year too. So, like, you're getting a rental because you're not going to say to ba- you're not going to say about Baker Mayfield, "Hey, yeah, yeah, we're going to give this guy a contract extension right away." Oh, yeah, we're going to make him. We're going to give him a bunch of money. No. He's got one year left on a contract, and then he's a free agent. So you're you're getting a rental even, right? You might sign him, but you might not, George, which actually yeah. would say, I don't want to give up anything really here for this. Like, I hear you're saying, like, I'm thinking, like, fifth round. Like, basically, it's like, I'm helping you out here, and you owe me for this, and I'll give you a fifth have round you, pick. Have this, have this song, a nice fucking yeah. deal. Hey, you're going to give away? I'll take it. All right, George. Looks like Baker Mayfield could be in trouble. Rick Saratella joins us next. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabe Morenci. The countdown to the National Football League draft is on, but it's on for real, man. We're like nine days away. Say what? Nine days? Me and Rick Saratella have been talking about this for thing for like nine months. Seriously, it's like a pregnancy. It's, we're, we're about to give birth to a football. <laughs> or like JR on Monday Night Raw years ago when it gave birth to an Oklahoma Sooner helmet. One of the WW, uh, WWE or F, whatever it was at the time, uh, all-time great moments. Rick Saratella, NFL Draft Bible. There's a lot of stuff I want to break down. Let's get biblical. NFL Draft Bible, breaking it down. 365SI.com. Rick, it's always a pleasure, my man. How you doing? What's happening, Gabe? Single digits, man. You're making me nervous over here. Yeah, it, I, I'm getting nervous right now as the board is starting to um, to shuffle uh, once again. And I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. I've been covering the draft a long time. I've been betting on the draft a long time, and I know you have. This is the most unpredictable draft that I can recall. Nobody really knows anything. Teams don't know. Media, they don't know. Scouts are telling teams to draft guys, and they're not going to get listened to. You know the drill right now at this time of the year. But, the, you know, all you can, you know, a lot of times in drafts, it's like, oh, yeah, this guy's minus 800. Oh, that's minus 1,200. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a stone-cold lock. That's a stone-cold lock. Last week, I told you that I'm finally starting to believe that Aiden Hutchinson is locked in at number one. And you said, oh, I don't know. I don't think so. I'm hearing that that's, that's far from a lock right now. And last week, he was minus 280 when you and I spoke on Monday. As it is right now, Aiden Hutchinson, minus 170. He's come down. Minus 170 to be the first pick. Trayvon Walker, plus 175. And then Evan Neal at 16 to 1. Odds makers and FanDuel, they clearly believe it's either Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker right now. What are you hearing? They're clearly listening to the sports rage, obviously. So they're listening to you, not me. <laughs> I said, no, no, it's Hutchinson. <laughs> We're moving the needle over here on the sports rage. But, you know, I, I think that it is a unique draft when you think about it. Every team in the top 10 wants to trade back. But the problem is there's not a star power player that anybody really wants to trade into. Right. And you got. Maybe the Eagles or, or Saints are looking at a quarterback. I hear they can move up with the, you know, two two. You got eight teams with two first round picks. You got another eight teams with zero first round picks. You got zero consensus players at the top. We got guys you talked about months ago for the first time in NFL draft history. They're putting odds on the board with the number one overall pick. It looked like Kayvon Thibodeau was the clear-cut guy when we first discussed it. Yeah, I thought maybe Kyle Hamilton was in the equation. Hey, Evan Neal. Evan Neal was briefly favored to be the top pick too, bro. It's been a crazy world, and I still think Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson are having those conversations. And I think where you know the offensive tackle came back into play, where Peterson met with the media and said, "Hey, we're not out of it necessarily for an offensive line now." Other people are saying, hey, that could be a smokescreen scene. Yeah, head fake. Head fake, yeah. Right? And Well, I think what you just said, actually, I've, I've noticed this a lot, Rick. There's a couple of teams 
They're trying to drum up interest. Hey, hey we might do this. You talking about with, with the quarterbacks, with the Lions. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, maybe we do like the guy. And they're trying to tell people, yo, man, you want to trade or what? But like you said, nobody's really been biting so far. And Aiden Hutchinson, by the way, into Detroit for a visit. Why would they waste the top 30 visit if they didn't think there's a you real time? their dream. You know they're praying, bro. Oh, yeah. You know they want Jacksonville to take Trayvon Walker so they could get Hutchinson. And I think Trayvon Walker is still one of the most fascinating case studies in NFL draft history. Here's a guy, really not a ton of production at Georgia, not a stat compiler by any means, uh, but just to bet on measurables, I, I still believe it's a media fabrication. Now, I won't be surprised if he goes one or two because of all the hype around it, but I just think that's going to be a fascinating story to see how that unfolds. And I do think there's a long shot possibility that it's an offensive tackle, but gun to my head with Trent Baalke's job security riding on the line, he needs to get it right. And that means Aiden Hutchinson is the safest play. Yeah. But, but, and as you stated about Balky, doesn't he have a reputation though of liking guys like Walker that sort of have that, that upside? Cause yeah, you can drop Hutchinson, you know, in week one, he's going to hold his own. He's going to be a starter right away. But, um, Trayvon, and you've talked about, it. I like Hutchinson, but you said, listen, he's kind of a late bloomer here. And with, with this hype to be the number one, like put it this way, Hutchinson, I guess is a football player. They like him the best. He's the most ready, but he's not the best athlete, is he? Like as far as upside down the road. No. And I think that there's really not a high ceiling either, right? There's, there's concerns within the scouting community. Like, Hey, has this guy peaked? Yeah. He is who he is now, right? Are you really still pretty good though? That's still pretty good who he is. It's good when you put it into like, Hey, I'm getting a quality starter for the next four years. Cool. Hey, I got to use the number one pick on it. Not so cool. Yeah, man, that's that's the whole thing about this draft with every player, isn't it? <laughs> well, and that's why I think this is the year to roll the dice. Especially we mentioned eight, a quarter of the league. Well, you just said Evan Neal, bro, sixteen to one. I think it's sixteen to one. It's worth a little play, bro. Yeah, you put fifty bucks on that, twenty-five, anything, and yeah, would it be? No, it wouldn't be shocking. They took Evan Neal first overall. None of these guys are locked, 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 locked in. And all that means is Doug Peterson has a voice in that draft room because Trent Baalke is tiptoeing that line and what he did in San Francisco though at that defensive line position you're right they drafted D-line 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 athletic traits athletic traits that would point towards Trayvon Walker who my friend Albert Breer over at SI him and I will have post draft coverage by the way Uh, he he dropped that hint earlier this week Rick Saratella kick with his NFL drop Bible uh, SI.com I've been wondering about when the Baker Mayfield situation is going to be resolved, and it it should be in the next nine days uh, or so. Um, uh, you know, Baker does the interview in the podcast. Did you watch the podcast? I um, I read it. No, no, I I read all the pertinent clips though. Yes, so I didn't I didn't actually listen to it, but I don't think he's doing himself any favors really. At this point in time, like, you know, the thing with the podcast to me, I don't think it was over the top bad or anything like that, but bro, you've done a pretty good job of staying quiet through all of this. There's like a week and a half left here. Just be quiet. And I love the fact that Robbie Anderson comes out and says, oh God, no, no, no. And he's retweeting people about no, no, no. Baker's terrible. We don't want him on Carolina. And then lo and behold, 24 hours later, Carolina Panthers interested in Baker Mayfield. Now it does make sense. Like if if you are Matt Rule, you're so you got to be coaching for your job here. And 
This whole Kenny Pickett thing ain't going to save your job. Sam Darnold ain't going to save your job. Baker Mayfield is better than Kenny Pickett. He is better than Sam Darnold. Will you, would you agree with this? What are you hearing about Carolina? Do you think they'll pull the trigger on this? Yeah, I, I mean, because I, would, I just want to throw this up because sorry, but it's just because this changes the whole Kenny Pickett thing to, to Carolina. This shuffles the QB situation as well in, in the draft if this happens. Well, and I think it would go right down to the draft night because they're going to try like heck to deal Baker May, Mayfield. And if they can't find a, a taker, well, then, hey, they're going to take the best available deal come draft night because otherwise – you don't have a market for Baker Mayfield until someone goes down in training camp in August. Yeah. <laughs> so what if Baker Mayfield ha- happens to show up at OTAs? I that's mean, the that's... Jimmy G market a little bit later on down the road. <laughs> yeah, well, but Hey, Baker Mayfield could show up to OTAs and really create an awkward situation there. Now I watched, well, they owe him 18 and a half million dollars. He's, he's, he's under contract. Yeah. And, well, I think I watched, they would pay him not to show up. They would say, listen, we're going to pay you. Just don't show up. <laughs> but I would show up, too, just to make it awkward. Next to Deshaun, throwing balls in practice. <laughs> like, I mean, like. So, it, it, you know, and hey, Seattle, he said, I watched the last 20 minutes. And it's cringeworthy, but it's nothing new for people that know Baker Mayfield, apparently. But yeah, Scott- At least he didn't say, I'm going to destroy the league and I'm going to take over. He's He's been humbled a little bit, right? Like, Yeah, I guess, you know, I think that. He doesn't give an F, you know, (laughs) he's like, yo, I made my money, bro. Like when I was hurt, did I think about sitting out? Cause I got all this money and a guaranteed contract. Yeah. But I love the game. I think, yeah, I think they're being a little hard on him, but at the same point in time, he brings it upon himself. Oh, you know, I'm hurt this week, right? When I'm playing, it's like, I want to be a hero. And then I want to have an excuse. He just talks too much. Stop talking Baker. We'll talk more on the other side with Rick Saratala. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Monday Night Meltdown. This is Sports Ridge. I am Renzi, Sirius XM Channel 159, a Mighty or 1090 ESPN Radio. We're breaking it down. We're getting biblical. Countdown to the National Football League draft is on. We're going to be breaking it down live at the MGM Grand, a sports book uh, during the draft, and it's going to be off the hook. We'll have the NBA playoffs uh, going on in the book uh, as well. Um, so, Rick, a lot of stuff I want to throw at you here. Um, let's go big uh, here. And, man, there's a lot of size uh, in this draft. And, in fact, one of the largest men ever to play um, in the NFL is set to arrive. The biggest guy at the draft, I think it was the second biggest guy at the draft, the, uh, the lineman out of Minnesota. We'll get to him in a moment. But uh, we were talking about Trayvon Walker, and let's talk about one of his teammates here in Jordan Davis, defensive tackle uh, out of Georgia. You want to talk just about a, a – he's basically Shaquille O'Neal in cleats. I think that's the best way of describing him. Like, man – he looks big next to big dudes, bro. 
Like, I, I remember I was pretty confident. I felt good about Michigan going into the game and stuff. And I remember seeing him, like, coming out. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Look at this guy. So, he's, uh, he's 6'8", 341 pounds. He ran a 4.78 uh, in Indianapolis. He's got a 10-foot, 3-inch standing broad jump, which was uh, better than a lot of the wide receivers uh, were. 32-inch vertical. What's there not to like about this guy? Over under 14 and a half. That's his draft position right now. Over under 14 and a half. What do, how come this guy, we're not talking about this guy as a top five pick? Man, I'll tell you, he's one of my personal favorites. And just as a disclaimer, side note, I, I think Jordan Davis is a better player than Trayvon Walker. With that being said, Jordan Davis is probably going to slide in this year's draft from what I'm hearing. And I got to go over. Really? Over 14 and a half? I do, because I can't find a home. I did this morning uh, a, a new Top 10 mock. I didn't find a home for Jordan Davis there. Maybe Washington at 11. I could see with Ron Rivera. I just don't see any of these other two, two uh, other teams investing that high in what is being called the two down player. Yeah. And so for all of his athleticism, he didn't play on third downs. Yes. Georgia's two, three deep with NFL talent at those positions. But I, you know, he, here's a guy, by the way, is it because he's just so big? It's just too much to be out there that much. Well, it's just he wasn't asked to do it in, in his defense. And as you stated, they were deep as hell, and that's what made Georgia good, the fact that they could rotate, rotate these guys in and out. Yeah, and, and I asked him point blank straight off the plane because he had his pro yeah. day workout, took the red eye to the Maxwell Club in Atlantic City, and I asked him point blank. I said, what do you say to those critics who call you a two-down player? And he said, hey, you know, I looked in the mirror, I did a self-reflection, and I hear you loud and clear. He's like, that's all I've done during this whole offseason is work on improving my pass rush. So the kid gets it. He's very mature. He's an athletic freak. Georgia had a lot of fun. They had him like the fridge in the backfield at Georgia. I mean, you know, this guy can do it all, literally. And I just think that he's going to be a guy that lasts a very long time in the league. I know you're a big fan of uh, the safety out of Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton. Over under nine and a half, where you got him going right now? This is remarkable because he's a top three overall player, in my opinion. And I did my top 10 this morning. I couldn't find a home for Kyle Hamilton. I don't see it. Maybe the Jets at 10, you know, as a Jamal Adams replacement, he's right there at 10. But I don't see where you find a home for him inside the top nine. And it's fascinating because people think that he might be the best player. Right? Some people say, you know what, this guy might be the best player, but can't take a safety that high. Well, and don't tell me the combine doesn't count for something. Because if this guy runs 4-4, we're talking about him as a top five player all day. He runs 4-5-9 and 4-7s at his pro day, and all of a sudden, he's outside the top 10. It just goes to tell you, the combine does count, and the NFL will always have a need for speed. You just can't teach it. What about um, what about the DB out of Cincinnati uh, with Gardner right now? Sauce, uh, Ahmad Gardner, he was checked in at 8.5, and, and he was locked in at 8.5 this whole ride. 7.5 now. 7.5. Um, he is the, he's going to be the top DB taken, right? Where, where do you got him going? Uh, that's an under, I think he can go as high as number two to Detroit. And I don't think he can slide past seven at the giants, considering that, uh, Bradbury, James Bradbury, you talk about a six foot two corner, which sauce Gardner is Bradbury's packing his bags. He'll probably be dealt during the draft. They can't afford his salary. Hey, sauce Gardner, perfect replacement. Uh, as far as the lineman is concerned uh, right now, Charles cross over under seven and a half. So the the strong, strong indication is I gotta believe under here, right? That he does not last eight. Giants are set to make 
crossed the the number five overall pick. Really, huh? So what do you what about Thibodeau? Jets Thibodeau? I I had that since what who do you have? What's your what's your what's your what's your top five right now and top seven, et cetera? I have Hutchinson at one. I think they're gonna play it safe. I have Trayvon Walker going two to Detroit out of Georgia. I have Houston taking Evan Neal from Alabama, the offensive tackle to protect yeah. back there. I have the Jets are the ultimate wild card and they need a jolt. And I think that Douglas there, the GM, is not afraid to roll the dice and take a risk on Kayvon Thibodeau. I have him at four, cross at five. I think six, whether it's Carolina, New Orleans, or the Eagles, is where the first quarterback comes off the board. So you think Iquadu is the third guy taken in after. So it'll be Neil Cross. What about Iquadu? He's uh, over under three and a half right now, man. Suddenly Iquano is looking uh, on the outside looking that's in. That's a little high three and a half, Rick. Like that's that's saying, well, we, we know he's not going one, and I don't think the lines are taking a, an old lineman in at two. I got to like this bet over three and a half for Iquano right now. It, one of these tackles is going to slide, and I think Aquano is the guy. Neil is really checking off all the boxes. The Giants love Cross. With that being said, Carolina, if they don't find a deal and they don't take a quarterback, that could be where Aquano lands. And uh, you and I have had a fun debate and discussion as far as Drake London and Garrett Wilson is concerned. They're both at 10 and a half now. They're both at ten and a half right now, so it goes to show that either one of them. Uh, I know you personally like London better, right? And then Garrett, I like London better, uh, and I also think I'm hearing some whispers too that there's some teams that think Jamison Williams could be the first wide receiver, depending on where the first wide receiver comes off the board. And and remember this now, there's a handful of guys that aren't reporting to camp because they want. They're in the final year of their contract. They want a new deal. There's going to be a lot of wide receivers available on the trade market come draft weekend. There's also greater depth at the wide receiver position than any position in this year's draft. Yeah. The Jets have a lot of needs. They probably need to go best available player. I'm not even sure they go wide receiver at 10. I'm not sure there's a wide receiver in the top 10. I think you're right. I think the Jets will go best available player just to see, all right, who's actually, because there could be some surprise. Like, like you said, if Kyle Hamilton. Exactly. No way you could pass on that kid that late, uh, in, in my opinion. Here's a guy that people aren't talking about, but you and I did during the season, and it's funny, and I'm a Michigan guy, and I'm a Hutchinson guy and stuff, but I don't know how much better is he really than George Karloftis out of Purdue, right? And, and yeah. our, dude, he's, his, his, his prop right now, his number is 17 and a half. No one's really talked about this guy, but physical guy, man, out of Purdue, and he wasn't surrounded by the talent like Hutchinson was. He was a one-man wrecking crew, this guy. One-man wrecking crew, bro. It, 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 right out of the gates as a true freshman, I called him the Greek god. Uh, not as high of a ceiling. I think that's why maybe he doesn't get that media buzz or attention. Yeah. But you talk hard to worker, guy. though, man, a hard worker. Uh, this guy, for for the record, disclaimer, I'll take George Karlaftis over Aiden Hutchinson. Give me that. Uh, I'll take the under 17 and a half because scouts tell me this is one guy that is valued much higher around. Media's the not talking about him at all. No one's talking about him. Well, and that's the deal is this guy is really like on the top 10 on a lot of draft boards. Uh, he's a good football player out of Purdue. Big fan. So you say under 17 and a half. Um, Jamison Williams, as you talked about, his stock has really started to rise. I mean, I, we were hearing late first round before. That was the projections. Uh, he's been adjusted to over under 14 and a half right now. Wow. That's a little I mean, high. I think that's a little that, high. That's a little bit rich 
for for my liking just because he's not as polished as the Ohio State guys, right? And London's got that athletic hype around him. Well, and I think you know there's a chance he won't be ready for the start of the season too. And so I don't know that a team is going to take him that high, especially considering we just said that there might not be a wide receiver off the board till after 10, you know, how many teams are really in that wide receiver mix? I think Philadelphia is in the conversation at 15 and 18. And then, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still hanging out when green Bay rolls around at 22 or 28. What do you think about Traylon Burks out of Arkansas? What are you hearing as far as Burks is concerned over under 23 and a half? He didn't have the best combine, uh, but so what? Uh, I still really like him. Um, what, what are you hearing about uh, Burks here? It's just hard to. I'm going to go over because we just talked about the speed and how it hurts your draft stock. And we just mentioned a handful of players who are all going to go ahead so of London's him. London's ahead of him. Olave's ahead of him. Wilson's ahead of him automatically, right? Jamison Williams, I think, has moved ahead of him. And I'll put Jahan Dotson ahead of him. So you would say over. Uh, Traylon Burks at 23 and a half. I think I would agree uh, with that. Rick, we got about a minute left here right now. And I talked about size earlier. So uh, Daniel Falele, uh out of Minnesota. Wow. This guy, six foot eight, 384 pounds. And pretty agile too. Pretty agile. Uh, I don't know. So what is he, a second rounder, this guy? Like, uh, what's your take on him? What are you hearing about this guy? Big man. He will actually, in fact, be the largest player ever drafted in the history of the NFL. And so... He 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 has an 85 inch arm span. Yeah, he's 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 a big boy now, and so uh, this guy rode the boat. This guy's rowing tanks. I mean, uh, I'll tell you what, bro. I saw him in like the fridge. They they gave him the ball. You can't stop that. You put this guy on the two yard line. You have the ball as a fullback. You how are you going to stop a 384 pound man? Yeah, and now I will say this: I I view him more as a right tackle than a left tackle, just because there is some limited bend yeah. due to the size, yeah. and he's going to have to work on that. But Charlie, there's some speed coming at him in the NFL, right? There, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Charlie Villanueva, if you remember, uh, with the Steelers, took a few years to adapt and adjust. And I'm not saying he's going to be as good as him, but I think he can definitely be a solid starter at the right tackle position. And he's a day two candidate, probably right around 60 to 75 somewhere in there. I see. Rick Saratella, keep it locked in. Follow him on Twitter at Rick Saratella. Follow the NFL Draft Bible on Twitter as well. Uh, read all the stuff over at SI.com. Rick, we'll speak to you next week before the draft. Always a pleasure, my man. Thanks, brother. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The 
Monday Night Meltdown. This is Sports Rage. I am Maranci. The pips, the players, the hustlers, the people of bust up, and everybody else in between. We're breaking it down. Sirius XM Channel 159, the Mighty 1090 ESPN Radio. Let's kick it OG style. One of our favorites. One of your favorites. Scoop Jackson steps up and in. Scoop, it's always a pleasure, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Anytime, man. Anytime. Happy happy playoffs. I know it's not so happy and I'm going to jump off for you right now, but happy playoffs too. Yeah, happy uh, belated Easter uh, and playoffs. Right. And as, as right. uh, Raptor fans are finding out, as Clipper fans found out the other night, uh, Mavericks fans, it's a cold world, man. The basketball gods can be cruel. Huh? Like Paul George man. gets COVID on the day of a play-in game. Man, uh, Luka gets hurt right. right before the playoffs start, right? Raptors that's can't crazy. buy a break, bro. They're getting hurt on the team bus, I think, all the time now even. <laughs> <laughs> It's a cold world, Scoop. You know it, man. It is. It, man. Hey, hey, look, I know it. I know it. I know it. But, you know, that that's why you play the games. You got to persevere. You know, the, yeah, it's they a war of attrition. Equalize, right. They say injury, injuries equalize sports, but it's the timing of it all. And, and, you know, you just mentioned the Raptors getting hurt on the bus. There are a few teams, you know, like Luka's big, but – you know, losing three players to the Raptors is, is just as big as, like, one player in Luka's situation. And Nick Nurse only plays, like, seven or eight players, so you can't afford to lose. The Raptors can't afford to lose anybody at this point, especially going up against Philly. Oh, uh, man. But, hey, it is, it is what it is, and time waits for no one. And, you know, I can't help but think about it with Brooklyn as well, where they're sort of a man down right now, right? And I'm not calling out Ben Simmons uh, for being that man that's down right now, but, you know, before it was Harden, they don't have the three. They've got the the two and we knew this series was going to be intense we knew the crowd was going to go after Kyrie and man we knew that the Celtics depth would probably be the difference and we see this in game one now KD can do better than 23 yeah. um, Kyrie man Kyrie's just been bringing it bro even with all the you know all the, the, the stuff that's going on but what's your takeaway from game one then we'll get into all the hate between the fans and Kyrie and everything after yeah, but I, what about the series itself what do you see after one game well, the one thing that stood out for me in this game is, one, of course, you know, KD having a bad game. And I don't expect, I don't think anybody starts to have another bad shooting game like that. It wasn't the points. It was just the way he was playing the turnovers, his engagement. Uh, it seemed to take him a long time to get adjusted to the game. And, and you know, we just don't expect that anymore. And I think if, if they're smart, Boston shouldn't expect that either. But what stood out to me, and it's going to bother me throughout this entire playoffs as long as Brooklyn is playing, is Gabe that last play of the game. And in looking at it, it it wasn't a fluke that Jason Tatum was able to do what he was able to do. If you go back and look at the final play, there four well they really weren't guarding anybody, but nobody on Brooklyn was paying attention to any defensive assignment. They were all looking at the ball. I'm like, you all are professional basketball players, dealing with the shot clock going down and the game on the line. This is rule number one. Find your man and pick up your man. That's it. Because with 10 seconds left, the ball could go anywhere. On that final play, nobody had any, any type of association with who they were supposed to be guarding. Nobody was guarded on Boston. They weren't even looking at the player next to them. So let alone trying to box somebody out or find somebody running to the basket or check somebody moving into an open lane to possibly get a pass or, you know, to shoot anything. Go back and look at that play. Everybody on Brooklyn squad's back were turned to damn near three or four Boston players because they were all looking at who had the ball as opposed to trying to stop their men. Because if it wasn't Jason Tatum, it was going to be somebody else who rolled to the basket, got a tip in, got a pass, whatever. And to me, 
if you ask me, I thought about the series, for a team to be at this level, to not have any concept of what your defensive fundamentals are supposed to be at this time of the game, that's not something you can overcome in the playoff series. That's something that has to be instilled from the very beginning of the season has to carry over through 82. That's not something they can carry over for the next six. They're not going to learn how to mentally get strapped in to play defensive basketball or even lock into the mentality of what the importance of defense is. That's what bothers me about this series. Now, they may be good enough to, you know, overcome that offensively, but in tight games like this, and I'm not thinking they're so good that they're going to just, like, like blow people out where you're going to have to lock in defensively, there will be times that if they don't find any source of, of defensive foundation, that that every that they're going to just cut short and never get to the dream that they're supposed to have, even if Ben Simmons was playing. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, a, it's a defensive mentality thing that stood out on the final play of that game that I'm carrying with me throughout the playoffs. And, and I think everything you said is bang on. The fact that they – you'll never see a team make that last pass like that with that little time on the clock left. But when they saw that, oh, my God, he's wide open, it's a great yeah. point to raise. Nobody was really guarding anybody. They were just sort of standing Nobody. around. I think they thought the Celtics um, were just going to heave up a three, right? They're like, oh, these guys – yeah. I know, I know. You know your, your job is to box your man out there. You know what I'm saying? Shock and miss. Yep. You, know, you don't have five players looking at one player with a basketball at that time of game. Even if Michael Jordan was on the court, you saw somebody <laughs> like, all right, let's man in case the shot missed. You know, you know Steve Kerr, John Paxson, Craig, they would get open looks because Michael would pass the ball, but Michael was at least driving to the hole and you would see defenses converge on them. You know, but in this situation, everybody was looking at, uh, was it Marcus Smart? I think it was Marcus Smart. Or maybe yeah, you know, yeah. I got to add the ball. Yeah. Okay, but even if he is taking a shot, what if it misses? They get an easy tip in. They get easy. It's, it's, it was insane for me to watch that last play. I, and, and that's, yeah. I'm telling you, to me, it's going to haunt them. It's going to haunt them at some point in this playoffs more than they did just this game one. Oh, there was a, there was already a, a small margin of error uh, for the Nets as there, as it was. So, what did you make of the what did you make of the Boston and the Kyrie stuff? And you know, I guess I'm not surprised on either. I mean, to me, listen, it is what it is. This stuff used to be all the time. We overreact to everything now. But if you want to call them names and you want to be over the top, fine. But at the same point in time, don't get all upset and all offended if he gives you the finger back or he says something right. back to you right. after. Exactly. And that, that's where I'm at with this. Hey, hey, it goes both ways, right? I know, but fans are privileged and they think they're special and they've been catered to. Fans are much like um, customers when they go into stores. And, and a lot of times, and, and Dave, you notice, the customer's yeah. always right. You've heard that theory. And that's not necessarily true. That you have. Matter of fact, that's not even halfway true. Customers can be I said it's individuals. I yeah. think the customers are usually the ones around there, the jackasses, just like you said. But yeah. I said, yeah. I, you know, you're right about this, but I said the same thing. Listen, if you're going to. I think it's kind of dumb. I get it. There's a, oh, you know, and, and this and that. Look, I'm a Raptor guy. If I saw Kawhi Leonard, I'm not calling him an MFer. I'm not, like, calling him a bitch and, oh, hey, hey, you know, you're this and you're not this over-the-top stuff. You know, I would say, man, you're an idiot for leaving, something like that. You know, there's got to be a lot. Right. But I sort of said, too, after after the years that pass, it's sort of like seeing an ex-pro. You don't argue with her every time you see her on the street, bro. At some point, you just That's nod your head and keep walking. And, you know what I'm saying? And keep in mind, <laughs> where you are and what you have on your side. You know what I'm saying? If you've upgraded from your ex 
Why you mad at her three years later? You damn near want to say, hey, thank you. You know what I'm saying? And that's the way yeah, it's true. Is. Like, it's you guys are the two seed. Right. <laughs> it's not like you're not in the playoffs. It's not like you're not favored to possibly win this thing. It's not like you had the best second half of any team in the NBA besides the Phoenix Suns. You all are on the threshold of possibly winning the championship because Kyrie's not there. And it's been three years, so just like you said about your, you seeing your ex on the street. Look, man, if you're, if, if you're, if you, you have no job, you're unemployed, your life is going to hell since she left you. I think you'd be mad about that. But you know, if you're walking around, you know, seriously, if you're walking around with, 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 you know, a dime, you know, or two dimes on your arm, you know, why are you going to, you know, throw heat or hate or shade at your ex? It doesn't make any sense. But that's. Those are insecure people, and that's what bothers me about Boston. And we talk about players being petty. Fans are probably the most petty, are the most petty of anybody in sports. And even even with us in the media, I think fans have to be more petty than we are. And that's. Oh, I saw it in New York Boston too, Scoop. And it's funny, like Boston, they sort of feel like they're special. Oh, well, it's the Celtics, and how dare he? Yeah. And we're Boston. And yeah. New York, I thought it was funny because. You know, they pride themselves on being abusive to the players, yet a couple of Mets did the same thing. A couple of fingers, a couple of comments yeah. back from players on the yeah. field. Oh, they cried. How dare they? I pay my money, yeah. and they're going to flip me off back. Yeah. It's like, bro, you're in New York. A guy in the Met gave me the right. finger. You've been calling them names all night. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I mean? And they think that they're not going to get anything back, or they're not supposed to get anything back because of that privilege. That is, it's that same, you know, like we said, the customers always right mentality that fans walk into sports arenas with. And it needs to change, and I'm always on the side of the players when they, you know, don't cross the line. And I think there's still, at times, a line that shouldn't, maybe shouldn't be crossed, but I get it when it is crossed because of reasons. And I think we're all in the position that we should be allowed to defend ourselves regardless of the situation. And I look, man, I've been in situations, look, I'm not going to name the player. I was actually doing a story on a player, and he was in court. You hear me? He was in court for getting into a physical altercation with a fan. And the fan was the one that initiated. The fan yeah. initiated contact with the player. And the judge found the player guilty by telling the player he should rise above that. You should know better, but the, uh, the the player's attorney was like, "But self of self defense is on the books. He yeah, doesn't. Yeah. But the judge's mentality is that the player should take it. I'm sitting in court watching this. I watched it happen. So for players to not be able to do anything, you know, even if they're physically or verbally attacked. At some point, especially if Boston security is allowing it, too. That's another thing, yeah. right? If the, if the security would have said, hey, listen, next one that says something like that over the top, you're out, which they clearly did not. Right. And with, and with Kyrie, he's getting it all game every day. And, you know, I'm, I, I get the pettiness. It should be let go. But here's the thing. Even outside of all that, I think the player should be allowed to at least verbally say something back and respond as, as, as he or she fits to do so. But when does it kick in to you all as the fans? Y'all need to shut the hell up because you all are fueling him. And the way Kyrie was playing yesterday, it's like, eh, this is not helping. <laughs> I know, I know. Vince Carter said the same thing. Going yeah, back, man, remember Drake, Drake Drake, pissed off John Wall years ago when John could still play when he did play. But yeah. uh, Drake pissed John Wall off with the Wizards and the Raptors. And Wall went off, bro, after. And he said, after, yeah. you damn right, I want to shut him up. I never liked his yeah. music. He went off. <laughs> <laughs> he 
one up. Right. He goes, I hope he talks again the next game. And I was thinking, you got to shut up, Drake. You're not even on the court and you're firing this guy up. <laughs> yeah, I don't get why what you, because what are you really trying to do? Is it about you? And that's why I think fans have a problem. Hey, Spike, hey Spike started it all, right? Spike and Reggie going back. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Reggie, Reggie, you keep, you keep toying when you open up the door and you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. shut up. But here's the thing. That was one individual. And he had a, he was close enough to, to fuel that. And very rarely did you hear Spike continue to go that. And, and that was in the course of a short Oh, no, it was all in good fun. It was all in good yeah, fun. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But, but fans is not good fun. Fans not good fun because Spike and Reggie are cool. But fans are not, it's not in good fun because they think it's about them. And if they're really about the team, you get what I'm saying? They're really about their team and their team winning. Then they should know when to shut the hell up, especially after watching Kyrie does what he does. He's like, eh, this is the wrong dude to do this to. You yeah, know, this that's is, the thing. Yeah. It goes off for 39 guys. Like, just this, you know what I mean? Thank like, you. yeah. Y'all I think that there is something them. to do. That's why I saw Vince Carter. Vince Carter, when he knows, he goes, I went through this in Toronto, and he goes, basically, he said, some guys don't like it, and he goes, some guys thrive in that, and he goes, Kyrie's clearly a guy that thrives in that. So he goes, he does. same thing. If I was Boston's fans, I'd ease up a little bit, and maybe you can catch him on a bad night, but man, Scoop yeah. never has a bad night. Scoop, time just flew by, bro, as always, my man. Thanks for kicking it with us. Anytime, man. Let's talk soon. The Late Night Anger Match for Cross Continues. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Quick, it's minutes at Sports Talk Radio. Coming to a close. Thanks to all of our guests. Scoop Jackson. George Kurtz, Mo Khan, Rick Saratella. Stacked house uh, tonight. And it'll be a, a stacked house and a full house in Las Vegas next week for the National Football League draft. Keep it locked in right here. We'll be broadcasting live from Sin City. Already uh, posting some, uh, some plays. We did a video earlier tonight in which uh, we said that Kenny Pickett will be the first quarterback taken. You can get him at uh, plus 150 right now. I got him at plus 225 and plus 250 a couple of weeks ago, but I still recommend this at plus 150. I also like Garrett Wilson to be the first uh, wide receiver taken at plus 150 as well. You take both of those and you hit one of them, and we'll, you know, we're not losing money. We're going to make money. And if they both hit, then it's a nice score with two uh, plus 150s in the top 10 or so. We won't have to wait long to cash those. And I'll tell you what, I, you know, I could be reading this wrong. Nobody really knows. It's all speculation. The odds are kind of strange to me, though, in that Evan Neal is the best offensive lineman in the draft. Evan Neal was once projected to be the top pick in the draft briefly. Yet Evan Neal is now four and a half. And, and Iquanu is three and a half. Iquanu is the offensive lineman out of NC State. Evan Neal is the offensive lineman out of Alabama. Iquanu is like he was kind of. I think he was the he was voted the uh, the meanest player in college football. He's like the most violent offensive lineman. Like he likes to hurt you type of thing. 
And he's a big kid. He's a big dude. He's a mean dude and stuff. But Evan Neal is more polished out of Bama. And I don't get it. I think Evan Neal is going to go third overall. And he won't fall past fourth if he gets past Houston at three. Great stuff. Thanks for tuning in this evening. Other than that, you're on your own. Later. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.